This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 367, Pointless, Terrifying Tech. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Michael Rowe here on a Friday Games at Work time dot biz with my friend and co-host Andy Piper. I am well, Michael. Thank you very much. Although I know that you and I have both independently and bizarrely been uh, suffering from ear problems in the last couple of weeks since we last recorded. So um, that's just a Listening strange to thing. all those podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing well. Um, yeah, it's been a been a busy and confusing time, but um, the world and technology uh, continue to move forward, and there's lots to talk about. Yes, yes, and to start with, uh, I know we've talked about this on the show a couple of times, and I think both you and uh, the other Michael uh, have the, um, the little key V two, right? The what? Um, the key V. The the key V two. Ah, uh, no, we don't have the key V2, so we've got the key. You have so the, key the key V1? Was, the, yeah, the key V1. The key V1. Um, <laughs> the key was a an April Fool um, joke, um, I think, back in 2020 from Stack Overflow, where they uh, their their joke for the year was, you know, all you need is we were releasing Stack a proper Overflow. Stack Overflow programming keyboard, and it's just a stack of three keys horizontally, a Stack Overflow logo, and a, and a C and a V, so can, uh, copy and paste um and um oh, and that was very funny some of my best programming has been cv, CV. oh completely <laughs> command c command v absolutely so um <laughs> then they teamed up with um the drop folks who make the keyboard make a lot of these keyboards um to actually make it um and yep. i got one and then i think michael got one as well and um they came originally the original model was um you can change the key caps, but they weren't hot, hot swappable switches. Um, so the, and that, that means if you're not a keyboard aficionado, that um, you can't change sort of the, the the pressure and the sound of the of the key switches and the feel of the switch. Um, and it just had a solid black base. Very well built, though. A very extremely good piece of hardware. Um, just somewhat pointless, depending. Um, <laughs> you can use you can use various firmwares to increase the number of keys. So um, some of these firmwares have this concept of layers where certain uh, combinations will actually switch them to a different layout. So you can layer up multiple different formats effectively. And um, anyway, they've come out with V2. I was I was surprised. I only found out about this because the folks at Raspberry Pi tweeted about it. And I saw them yeah. uh, tweet theirs that had just arrived. And I said, aha, I got one already. Look at mine, and I changed out my keycaps, uh, and I sent them a picture, and then I noticed that theirs was glowing, and I thought, well, and discovered that the new one um, has got uh, RGB LEDs in the base, which is, you know, everybody needs RGB LEDs. Oh, absolutely. Things that light up and, and stuff, so now I'm jealous. Now I want one. When I built my, my, my gaming rig, um, the the memory and the fans all have lights on them. And the first thing I did was uh, got a piece of software that shut all that off. <laughs> because <laughs> it's 
Suddenly the computer under my desk are glowing in the dark. <laughs> my wife has a um, a keyboard for the uh, Xbox purely for playing Sims 4, uh, keyboard and mouse. It's a really good one. It's a Razer turret, um, and um, that has all the Razer lighting and effects and stuff as well, which, I mean, I think she does have it on um, because I think it's pretty difficult to turn off because the, the configuration on the Xbox is relatively limited, but um, it just, I think, sort of lights up Sims-ish colours. Um, you can switch it to sort of crazy mad things, but no, not not really into that. Can you make it match your character's co- uh, costume colors, like dynamically change? In principle, I guess you could, and probably easier to do on on the PC version. But um, I, yeah, I've yet to actually use that keyboard. Well, well, if you were uh, in Sims, mm. it, I'm sure it'd be really really cool to be like Sims VR. Mm-hmm. Right and just like immerse yourself in it, and and then maybe oh. you could walk through a spider web. I see where you're going with this. Yeah, the spiders, hey, right? Yeah, spiders. Spiders are nice, especially spiders, on your eyes. Spiders in VR touching you. Yes, touching so, so you. There's this article. Touching you. Yes. You could feel them touching touch you. you. Oh, oh, this 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 Gizmodo article was really interesting. Um, talking about the, some research uh, done at Carnegie Mellon. Uh, where they've taken, I guess this this looks like just a standard uh, uh, Quest headset or Quest Two headset. It does, yes. And attached a set of sensors uh, underneath the headset. Uh, obviously, this is a prototype uh, that will uh, use sound frequency to position feelings. On part of your face. This is so weird. How? It is. It is so so bizarre. I, 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 and, I mean, and, I suppose it's kind of like the um, what do you call it? The bone um, conduction bone induction headset. I, I suppose yeah. no, it's not actually. But it's. And I'm, I'm trying to understand how this actually feels um, using ultrasound. Well, well, yeah, and 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 they've got you know. I, I, I didn't manually count it up, but I'd say, you know, somewhere around 30 or 60 different um, sensors uh, to give an array of these sensors, which allow for a fairly good pixel um, positioning of these pulses of, of sound to give you feelings on your face. Looks and like the examples they give is like walking through a spider web uh, in the rain where raindrops are hitting you, driving on the back of a motorcycle and it's doing, you know, ripples across, you know, your 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 mouth and cheeks as the wind is blowing past you as you're driving on your motorcycle, running into things and then on that motorcycle and having those things hit you in the face. Um, and so I, I actually find this, their approach is actually pretty interesting uh, Innovative, innovative, depending on which side of the pond you're on, uh, to to try to increase immersion in virtual spaces. Innovative, innovative, ah, yes, yes. innovative, innovative. <laughs> yes. Um, what? Depending on which side of, being weird, of what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, I I'm interested. I mean, I think. If you know, if you can obviously, if you can do that with something like ultrasound, then um, it, it's going to open up a lot. I'm I'm somewhat reminded, or uh, 
from a science fiction perspective, thinking about things <laughs> like um, you know the the ultrasonic showers in Star Star Trek, but um, and 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 then this is also talking about ultrasonic transducers used to levitate and move p- tiny particles around, tiny particles. Um, it's not like a maglev. I, <laughs> which would be really funny. You put that on your face and just blow your, I, take your I, entire I'd jaw. I'd honestly be curious to, to to try it. I mean, it seems like it's non harmful, um, but I'm 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 curious to know how they they can how this this can realistically work. And again, although we've seen headsets come down in size and weight, they and they they've still got further to go. Um, uh, this thing seems to be something that would need a lot more work to make it more practical for, you know, um, every day or, oh, or yeah. you know, some oh, yeah. more regular use than, than in an experiment. Uh, it's really fun. Um, it was funny when we started. You can brush your teeth. We started the conversation <laughs> about The Sims, and uh, The Sims does have a first-person mode where you can, you know, become a sim and walk around the little environment you build for them, which is kind of cool. And so I, I don't see that something like Sims VR could be that far away in terms of a a bolt-on mode um, where you could yeah. use a, something like a quest to um, wander around inside um, uh, Simsville or whatever you whatever ville you're in. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool, but ridiculous and terrifying. Not as terrifying as other things, but yeah, like like if you're floating around in this virtual space and and you hear the drones, <laughs> you might want to run. <laughs> I mean, speaking of researchers, <laughs> I mean, yeah, th- this this yeah, this is one of those ones is like, who thought this was a good idea, right? If if you thought you know having ultrasound pulse on your face to give you certain uh, sensations, who thought it was a good idea to program drone swarms? To chase people through bamboo forests, yeah, and track them. I mean, yeah. What would you be doing running through a forest unless you were some kind of escaped convict? Um, it's a little bit terrifying. Um, yeah, and, and, and obviously this has tons of uh, military applications. <laughs> Yeah, you'd expect so. Um, um, I, I mean, they, they do link yeah. to a, a story as well about, um, you know, the fact that it could be used to, to, to monitor forests rather than, you know, monitor people in forests. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, we have, as in, indeed the TechCrunch article says, we've all seen enough movies to know this is how it starts. Um, we'll come back to movies later. But, uh, <laughs> yes, it could be useful in, in sort of a rescue or... or um, find and locate sort of situation i, I think the uh, the concept of having this work such that they're all coordinated is is extremely cool and whilst we've seen this happen with you know the big displays for example the ones that he did at the chinese olympics in beijing a number of years ago mm-hmm. uh, and they've done elsewhere since then for promotional purposes primarily the fact that those had to be programmed to operate you know, in formations rather than there seems to be an element here, as, as I understand it, because you're having to adapt to the environment continuously. Um, the drones themselves have to do the, the 3D uh, mapping and obviously share that. So there is some fascinating science here. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that you're building not only 
good collision detection, right? Uh, I mean, the the DJI drones have um, at their mid level and and higher have really good collision detection mm-hmm. in multiple directions, but you're also addressing the swarming behavior. Uh, so it's not just autonomous collision detection, but it's interconnected and autonomous, right? So you're you're building kind of a uh, <laughs> let's take it down to a little bit to ludicrous land, um, which is is that kind of like uh, uh, Sim City, <laughs> ludicrous land, um, where where you're you're building a autonomous swarm that can track things and manipulate and manage those things move in a motion environment right mm-hmm. uh it's i'm sure leveraging some of the stuff that we've learned from um the uh self-driving activities where you have a lead car and the other cars following in in a kind of i don't they, they don't call it swarming uh what do they call that where in trucks they have like a lead truck and then the two or three trucks behind oh. them that are autonomous that are just following. I mean, it's something like to do caravan. something to do with convoy or caravan, but I don't know what the actual terminology is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you have that. You have r- extremely quick, real time, on device processing of environmental variables. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at the the the, the article in uh, Science of Robotics or Science Robotics magazine uh, that uh, that they point to, they actually show you the device, right? So it's got you know not only stereoscopic cameras, it's got lidar, it's got you know multiple different sensors in order to do this. Um, it's doing prediction. Uh, it's doing flocking behavior, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is a, cum- a accumulation of lots of different technologies coming together for a, a very powerful use mm-hmm. case. Uh, it's still that use case that literally scares the crap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this is falling into the terrifying um, and not the um, pointless. <laughs> yes, yes, I think there's a point for this. <laughs> there's a very specific point for this. Uh, but um, and, and the fact that you're talking about daily. Uh, fairly dense um, forest environments. Yeah. I mean, a bamboo forest is dense. You've got to, you've got to do some uh, rapid so, calculations somewhere along the line. Yeah. I mean, I've just been, you know, I've been flying my drone around to do, you know, uh, we talked about a while back, you know, looking at stuff on the roof, etc. cetera. Uh, and I've started taking it on longer walks with me <laughs> just to kind of see how it handles where there's more stuff in the way, right? Mm. Trees, power lines, and things of that nature. And I, I try to stay, you know, 20 to 30 meters <laughs> away from anything that I think I can hit. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I'm flying it very high. I'm flying it, you know, really, really slow if I'm down to where, you know, there's a tree near me. Because uh, I just don't want to lose it and break it. I already smashed one into the house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> on my first maiden flight, as a matter of fact. Uh, so so this, is, this is very impressive technology. And... Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd like to see. I wonder if we should, um, if we should. Yeah, I wonder how much it would, t- how much it would cost to order a swarm of drones to fly around our own houses. Yeah, in neighborhoods. Well, the, you know, the the, the DJI's. I think uh, when those are priced out, they're only about one hundred and thirty-five dollars worth of parts. Mm. 
right? Of raw material parts. Yeah, but they don't have uh, um, military-grade, you know, uh, machine gun attachments and stuff that the, these drones have by <laughs> default, right? So... <laughs> yes. Yes, they don't. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> so, so uh, I would say you're probably talking, and, and I'm going to swag this, right? You know, uh, one to two K mm. per. Maybe. And if you get a swarm of fifty, I mean, is fifty K worthwhile for a uh, uh, forested surveillance program uh, to look for escaped convicts? I don't know. It depends if you. That's, you know, I mean. Some people would spend $44 billion on something like that. So, yes, Wait, yes. What? It's nothing. $500 billion market, um, right? You know, expected to be in t- by 2028. <sighs> anyway. So, talking, uh, of, very, talking of military. Very interesting article. Talking of military uh, action, um, we've got a fun one. Yes. A fun one from the other end of the scale from the yes. pointless. Well, I wouldn't say Let's it's pointless. There. It's fun. Um, so it's been discovered that in uh, Halo Infinite, you can get a nameplate for your Spartan character, which includes uh, Clipster, uh, who looks suspiciously like Ooh. identical to Clippy. Um, and yes, uh, yes it does. <laughs> I love this. I haven't um, been playing Halo Infinite nearly as much as I expected to, partly because of access to my Xbox. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, this is fun. I love it. I know. Evidently, it's been. Uh, he so, was also in. Uh, he also made an appearance in Halo Five, which I also missed. I mean, I played Halo Five, didn't play it as thoroughly and completely as uh, Halo Three and uh, and Halo Reach and other games. But have have you watched any of the uh, the new Halo TV show? No, um, I don't know whether it's available in the UK um, or if so, where I can see it. I'm sure there's other other ways and means, but no, I haven't seen. Uh, I've read, I've, I've heard some good things. I've one of my um, one of the Slack channels I'm part of. Um, some people in there are big fans. Um, have you have you been watching that at all, or is that not your thing? Uh, I I have not. Uh, it's it's available in the U.S. Mm-hmm. on um, Paramount Plus. Oh, it is on Paramount Plus, is it? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, so I don't know if that's available. No, nope, that's UK. coming here next month which means i until then i am going to try to either avoid strange new world spoilers or find another way to watch strange new worlds aha uh-huh. i think it's about and, uh, june the 24th or something i think it's coming they're, they're they're making it available here well what what i always uh think of is whenever i see um Halo movies and Halo TV shows, I go back to Red versus Blue. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Yes. Very good. <laughs> good choice. Yes. And and that's, that is something that uh, it would be interesting for uh, the makers of Red versus Blue to uh, possibly um, reach out and uh, complain about the Halo movie. <laughs> show maybe <laughs> sue them for doing yeah it. <laughs> good luck to that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but anyway uh, i just i thought it was funny uh, a, a friend of mine many many years ago uh introduced me to red versus blue uh back in the day uh and uh i was like what do you mean there's a first ever new uh halo tv series there used to be one just <laughs> called red versus blue <laughs> excellent <laughs> Well, Halo, of course, has got some uh, um, has had some fun uh, influences in the world, and and, and um, including Red versus Blue. But um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about as well was Thuis. 
Fooies. Yes, Fooies. <laughs> Fooies. There's um, and, and I think you found this 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 really really cool uh, site for the Fooey the book. So, right? so Fooies refer uh, here to fictional user interfaces, and it uh, covers heads up displays and GUIs for both cinema and gaming basically so yeah there is a book it's an ebook um where they write about sort of the user experience of these fictional user interfaces but um the website itself is really cool um because it goes through year by year more or less i mean you have to kind of page back i don't see an easy way of going through and finding um and di- diving into it. they've got year annual recaps but um they go through yeah TV shows that we've spoken about, like The Expanse, um, MCU movies, Marvel movies, uh, Mandalorians in there. Um, they go back to some older ones, like The Social Dilemma. Uh, actually, it's not that old. Um, I'm, I'm going to get confused between the, the Social Dilemma and The Social Network, but The Social Dilemma's um, got some other, there's a good documentary and uh, talks about some of the uh, visualizations and things. Um, yeah, I was I was actually uh, paging back through the site mm. to see if I could find, you know, the the end all be all one which was uh back uh, minority oh, report right that was yeah that was the first one that really kind of struck a lot of people's imagination well of course other than l cars right i mean come on l cars was the the initial one to get everybody's imagination well i think going. you're right on both counts but um i certainly remember reading um that book uh about oh gosh what was the one that, that really focused on minority report it's probably behind me. I'm going to turn away from my microphone and look at my shell. Yeah, and for, for people listening to this podcast, uh, there's a really exciting video that is not accompanying it with it of Andy looking around his office going, it's around here somewhere. Yeah, I, lean, I leaned over and it's actually the book I'm thinking of is Everywhere, which is a really good book. And, and, and now he's, I think, reaching down to grab it and holding it up to the microphone. Uh, and it's by, uh, by a gentleman called Adam Greenfield. It's uh, The Dawning Age of Ubiquitous Computing, or Ubicomp, as he was talking about it. I was talking about this in my presentations when I was back at IBM. Yeah, so this is 2006, this book was written, um, which was a few years after Minority Report came out. But it's an excellent, excellent book, um, which we'll throw a link to in our show notes. If you've never read it, I'll come across. I'd actually be interested now to go back and reread it to think about how um, different um the world has or things have uh progressed differently things have progressed because 2006 um you know it was nearly nearly 20 years ago terrifyingly and um (laughs) uh yeah uh, i'm sure if i flick through the index as i'm as i'm speaking here uh minority report yeah it gets a gets a, a fairly big shout out here in a couple of areas yeah i i i remember early 2008 or late 2007 back in those days actually work on a project where I got to work with one of the designers of the Minority Report interface. Oh, wow. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, they actually came out with a Kickstarter a couple of years after that. I want to say 2011 or 2012 for a 3D TV interface. It was an overlay adapter you would plug into your, your cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea was they would take the... Um, information coming across the closed captioning feed and use that to dynamically identify and generate related content which would be able to be displayed on a 3d tv as an overlay Mm -hmm. uh, or on a 2d tv as more of a hud um, so that you could get additional 
content about whatever you were watching, which is really cool. It, I, I got the actually have the device somewhere in a in a junk drawer because uh, it never really took off, other than they released it and they had a couple of sample demos that you could play with. But um, it was it was really really cool. I think we talked about it on the show way back then. <laughs> so, are you going to um, check out this book, Fuiz? Uh, I. I I'm I'm definitely interested in it, and you know it's as you say it's a it's an ebook you can download, and uh, they've got a really reasonable price, which is pay what you think it's worth. <laughs> which is always an interesting uh, one for which, me because you know, um, uh, it's um, you, know, you don't know what it's worth until you read the book. Um, exactly. So, um, but yeah, um, I'm looking at this. I think it's actually not a very new book. I mean, it's this is this is uh, this is a comment here from five years ago. So it's, uh, maybe I'm well, as usual. I'm Captain Slow um, finding these these sites and things um, late, but um, it's still yeah, interesting. 2017 but, is when the site came. Right. Well, I mean, they've they've kept up. You know, kept up cataloging the the huds and gooeys um, on the on the website. So um, it's. Uh, it, it, the, the website itself comes right up to date, uh, but yeah. uh, I'm I'm really I am uh, curious about the book. I must say, but I've got far too many books to yeah. read already. Yeah, I've got a couple of weeks away coming up, which is uh, well, so I'll be away from the show for two or three weeks uh, in the future, and um, maybe I'll try and catch up on some of my massive reading list. But whilst we before we whilst we're on this topic and of me going away, one of the speaking of reading, one of the things I'm going away <laughs> for is. Um, is EMF camp, electromagnetic field camp here in the UK. And um, one of the oh. talks, which is a basically a camping festival with Ethernet and Wi-Fi, to, uh, Ethernet and power to your tent, uh, and uh, lots of makers. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, and the list of uh, topics um, for sessions at the event um, includes one, which uh, is about Minority Report, in fact. I'm just uh, going to see if I can pull out that... Um, the title of that one, uh, Minority. Is it Minority Report yet? Preventing Crime with Data and Evidence. So funny, funny we, we, we talk about those things. I shall learn how to be Tom Cruise at EMF Camp. Oh, I, I thought you were going to learn how to be a precog. I know I'd prefer just to <laughs> learn to be, well, I don't know. Maybe just get Tom Tom Cruise's <laughs> looks and success as a minimum and then move on from yeah, there. Yeah, I, I would take that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Well, speaking of well, speaking, speaking of, of you know crazy weird science fiction futures, yeah, one that you don't you found a Kickstarter one that you don't think much of it seems, but um, there's a there's a new Kickstarter yeah. for a, a new uh, new um, role playing game, uh, and this one is yes. set in the world of uh, so it's a core rule book, so it's similar to to you know D and D and some of the other RPGs that are sort of uh, very much based around a a uh, dungeon master style uh, setup, um, and there's some maps and, and, and other sort of starter stuff that you can get as a, along with your condensed rulebook. But um, it's uh, set in the world of Blade Runner, um, and it has. Uh, I mean, it, the, the project looks really impressive. I am familiar with why Blade Runner is such a um, seminal movie. Um, I love, in particular, I love the aesthetic of um, the, the both Blade Runner movies. Um, I I'm not interested enough, as I, I know you also shared before the show, that you're also not interested enough to invest in this particular um, RPG. But um, the project is 
run away with funding. I mean, it's it's had a oh, had on, an yes. insane amount of funding, nearly a million do- uh, pounds. I'm looking at it in pounds, and, and it's still got twenty still twenty, days, 20 to days to go. It was funded in three minutes, evidently, uh, and um, in principle, <laughs> uh, it'll become available in November this year. So I certainly know some people yeah. that would totally be uh, interested in this, and there's somebody I used to work with who. Um, who had Blade Runner as their favourite ever all-time top movie of in all of history, which is clearly wrong because Empire Strikes Back is definitely the yes. best one. Um, but I know, could agree with you on that. I could agree you with could. you on that. Excellent. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, that one. That one. I mean, again, it seems to fit nicely with our our um, topic line of futuristic user interfaces. But um, moving away from yeah. User movie movie user interfaces yeah. to to gaming ones is one that you're very excited about, Michael. This I am extremely excited about this, and I've I've already signed up for the beta. Um, and uh, uh, the other Michael would also, I think, be excited about this because uh, I think we we've played this together in the past, mm. like many many moons ago. Uh, and this is Diablo, right from. Uh, from our friends over at Blizzard, uh, they have announced finally the open beta. Uh, it's only on PC for the beta, so Martin will not be able to play <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> but it will be available on iOS and Android also will it, once it will it be on Steam? Uh, it will be on PC uh-huh. and iOS and Android. So Steam. Uh, because Battle has their own... Battle.net client. Right, of course it does. So it will, I do not expect it to be on Steam. Uh, but uh, you, you, uh, Maybe on the Steam, Steam you Deck if you installed Steam Windows 11. Deck, you could probably <laughs> install it anyway because it could run on Photon. Yes. I know, ah, that, um, good point. I, I know so that you can get the Epic Games launcher to run on Steam Deck. Not that I'm interested in Steam Deck more more than usual today. But. So, so so, so, so I think that there's a couple of different things. One, this is this is Diablo. Uh, sorry, uh, Blizzard actually starting to branch out beyond PCs and 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 Macs, right, uh, onto the mobile platform in a more meaningful way than just uh, heart heart whatever it's called the card game. Uh, and it's the Diablo universe, and it's it's between Diablo two and Diablo three. It's a storyline in between there. Uh, which uh, looks to be really, really fun. The other thing that I saw yesterday, and I don't have a link for the show notes, is a review of their um, Warcraft game for mobile. Uh, So the old, if you remember the original Warcraft, which was a real-time strategy game, um, they're they're coming out with a mobile version of that that's a simplified uh, mobile Warcraft-type game that uh, gives you that same universe uh but again playing on ios and android so i'm really excited to see this um this whole universe of diablo and warcraft to me are are fascinating i love the i love the storylines i enjoy the graphics i enjoy the games i can't wait to see this come out excellent i never i mean i'm very i'm familiar with diablo but i've never played the diablo games i'm familiar with how exciting they are so this is available uh, in June, June second, that's the beta. The, the, the great, isn't it? The open beta is available for pre-registration now for availability in June for the incomplete game. Uh, and if thirty million players pre-register, then you get some additional cosmetics. Wow! 
That's um, quite, quite... Really? 30 million? Quite some, quite, that's I, I don't think they'll have a problem hitting there, that, to be say. honest. <laughs> I don't think they'll have a problem hitting that. Well, I mean, maybe not. I just find it incredible. Uh, you know, if if 30 million players all get together and pre-register for this game, then they'll uh, uh, unlock some cosmetic items for the game that you have <laughs> to claim, an NFT that you to have that. to log into and, compl- and complete the tutorial within 30 days. So that's how they're going to get their 30 million so- online at once in the first 30 days. Offer yeah, can, that gets them their stress test. can only be claimed for one character per account. Um, one character per yeah. account? Well, that's crap. <laughs> so, uh, what, what, let's have a look. System requirements? What are we looking at? Oh, I can use Windows 7, see? Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can run this inside of a, a, a VM on, on, on Mac, Mr. Martin. <laughs> so, uh, so I need to look up Diablo Immortal Steam Deck. Steam Deck. What do we think? Is it coming to Steam Deck? It's be it gonna be. Would it be better to install Windows no. on Steam Deck? That people no. are asking. I don't know. I don't know. Well, maybe I'll be that I, crazy. I know person. that puts us at time. It does for the show. <laughs> no, that puts us at time, and uh, we've. I, I've really enjoyed our our little jaunt down uh, terrifying lane or terrifying trail, I should say. <laughs> Um, it was and, uh, a very hope, pointless uh, conversation our... overall, I think. Yes, which is which is what you need every once in a while. It's like a palate cleanser. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's a nice. It's a nice sorbet. Mm. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you so, that. So, uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to uh, this sorbet episode of uh, GamesAtWork.biz, and uh, maybe reach out to us and um, and uh, drop us a, a, a link or a comment over at Twitter at uh, GamesAtWork underscore Biz. Or um, why don't you uh, rate us on Apple iTunes, on the Amazon Music uh, Podcast Directory, on Spotify, um, on the Blueberry Network? Uh, where else could they uh, reach out to I, I, us? Uh, I don't know, but I'm, I'm I'm thinking. You know, if you're on if you're on the Fediverse and on Mastodon, then maybe uh, maybe we need a presence over there as well. So we'll figure that out some sometime soon. Sometime, sometime soon. soon. <laughs> okay, everybody, have a great one, and we'll see you next see ya. time. Bye. You've been listening to GamesAtWork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at GamesAtWork underscore biz or at our website at GamesAtWork.biz. GamesAtWork.biz